You're listening to the Toolstation Western League podcast with Ian Knockholes and Tom Hiscott. Welcome, listeners, to another episode of the Toolstation Western League podcast with me, Ian Knockholds, and I am delighted to welcome onto the line the editor of the Toolstation Western League Bulletin. It is Mr. Tom Hiscott. Hello, Tom. How are you? Yeah, all, all good here. Yeah, how about yourself? Yeah, not not too bad. Not too good. bad. Still not able to get out and watch too much football, but I, at least I have the reasonable excuse this um, uh, this week of it was it was my wife's birthday. Oh, on um, on Saturday, so we should say a special little Absolutely. shout out there to Mrs. Knockholds. I, I did have visions of us um, sort of coming back uh, on our on our. We went out for a nice walk, you know, a nice family oh, walk, and I, and I thought, well, if we time this right, then we might be able to sort of turn up somewhere at three o'clock uh, and catch a game of <laughs> Western League football. But unfortunately, that wasn't. Uh, that was, she knows me too well. <laughs> she sussed you out. Yeah, we're going the yeah, other way. <laughs> exactly right. Exactly right. So um, no, I, I'm um, I'm yeah, still hankering to get to a game. But anyway, this will have to do. This will have to be my football fix. Um, for the time being. On this week's podcast, we're going to hear from the manager of Shepton Mallet, Aaron Sevier. And our first division interview is going to be with Carl Bagley, the uh, the manager at Hallen. Um, we're going to kick things off, Tom, by looking at the football played in the Toolstation Western League on Saturday, the 7th of October. And we're starting in Bridgewater. Now, really, albeit still very early in the season, but this is definitely a top-of-the-table clash between two sides that have started the Premier division very well and we've already had um, Tor Point of course on the uh, on the podcast, we've already had Bridgewater on the podcast um, but this was a much more one-sided affair than I think perhaps anybody anticipated Tom. Yeah I think the, the second half definitely played out that way, I think obviously as you said it was um, two of the, the sides that have been doing pretty well over the last last couple of months and it was it was goalless just before half time but then Bridgewater got that goal uh, in the 43rd minute uh, from Harry Horton, which was, uh, yeah, proved to be really crucial. That put them ahead at the break. And, uh, yeah, it was a little bit of a blowout in the second half. I mean, there was a lot of high scores on the weekend. Don't know if, um, don't know, don't know if there was this particular reason for that. A lot of home winners as well. I, th- I think we, we, it was noted in the bulletin, but yeah, it was Bridgewater, one of those, uh, eventually running out five nil winners over tour points. So as I say, one, one goal lead at the break, uh, but they pushed on after, after halftime and it was the forms that did the, that did the business. Dave making it two nil early in the, early in the second half. And then it was uh, Jack who struck twice more, uh, making it four nil, putting the result pretty much beyond doubt. And then it was Jay Murray, who's had a, a re- really good, um, really good start to life at Bridgewater, uh, recently signed from, from Western Sydney Mayor. And uh, he added the fifth with a, with a late volley. So I think that's free and free for him. And uh, an excellent five five star performance from Bridgewater. They run out uh, pretty convincing winners over Tour Point. A convincing win there for Bridgewater, but um, a much closer affair in our next um, in our next game. But more goals to talk about. Uh, <laughs> seven in total here. Nails in Tickenham, of course, new boys to the Premier Division, took on established powerhouse Buckland Athletic. Many people, including myself, had been tipping Buckland for big things this season, but going to have to do better. Than- because uh, a memorable win uh, for the Somerset side, Tom. Yeah, incredible come from behind uh, victory for for the hosts in this one. Buckland now uh, suffering back-to-back defeats, but uh, it wasn't looking that way early on. Uh, Josh Weber and Josh Grant both scoring in inside the opening 20 minutes or so to put them put them two goals to the good. Uh, but then Nailsy, yeah, turned the game on its head. I would say it's sort of the period around half time. So they got one back just before the break. 
uh, and then it was um, uh, yeah an incredible uh, period just after halftime as well. So uh, yeah, they really. Um, must have had a, a good half time talking to, let's say, and uh, yeah, suddenly it was four uh, two. Joe Berry and Callum Dunn both scoring twice in that in that spell where they just completely dominated. Four goals in the space of fifteen on field minutes, obviously encompassing half time. Um, and uh, yeah, that that proved to be enough. Rob Farkins did score uh, pretty late on for Buckland to, to set up a grandstand finish, but they uh, they weren't able to find the equaliser, and it was Nails who ran out four free winners. So yeah, fascinating match. Now. Oldland Abertonians took on Helston Athletic on Saturday. And um, uh, those long-term listeners will remember Oldland's promotion year um, last season um, into the uh, into the Premier Division. And during that, they um, secured a famous win over Helston Athletic in the FA Vars. So when the two met in the Premier Division, Tom, could lightning strike twice <laughs> in the same place? Ah, it was it was a it was a win for Helston, a five-one victory uh, for them away from home, and it was uh, yeah the star star of the show was uh, Ricky Shepherd, and uh, he definitely uh, played a part and uh, a big part in this one, uh, scoring twice in the early early stages to make it two 0 after just nine minutes. So that was uh, yeah real 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 Philip for them getting off to that fast start, and uh, they yeah to be fair, Oldland did try and come back into it, match Mitch Dan. <clears throat> scoring a couple of minutes later. So it was 2-1 to the visitors after just 11 minutes. So there was a definitely a frantic start uh, down there. But uh, it was Helston who ran out victors. Uh, surprise home defeat last year, but they bounced back beautifully in this one. Uh, substitute Sam Carter making it 3-1. Uh, and then it was a couple more late goals. Jordan Cott making it four before Shepard completed his hat-trick uh, in the closing stage with a, with a penalty in, uh, yeah, uh, later on to make it make it 5-1. And uh, Helston back on, uh, back on winning ways. Now, as we quite often do, we talk about um, Piran Films and their their footage of um, the Helston games. Uh, and I have to, and I, you know, I often, as you know, Tom, I often sort of recommend that to the mm. to the listeners. Um, I would say it's sort of compulsory viewing this week. Not, and that's no disrespect to Oldland Abertonians. I'm sure they would have much preferred <laughs> to have watched a game where they didn't get um, beaten quite so heavily. In all my years of being involved in the Tool Station Western League, something quite remarkable happened at Oldland on Saturday. Um, as you know, I've been commentating in the Western League for, for quite some time. And as a commentator, I can say that never has it occurred that somebody has asked me to run the line in the game. But that's exactly what happened to Steve Massey. Yes, listeners, you did hear me correctly. <laughs> In this game, Steve Massey finishes the, the match by running uh, the line. You will see the incident sort of pan out <laughs> if you watch the video footage. Um, but it also, it almost, almost makes the scoreline of the game incidental when you when you see an incident like that. I mean, m m my own beloved Portsmouth are in the news not that long ago because of an incident to two match officials at Fratton Park, which required somebody to come out of the crowd and uh, and run the line. N <laughs> not quite. Well, I, I, not quite. I think probably Steve achieved every bit of the bizarreness of, of of the whole affair but he rose to the challenge bless him uh, and that's what we you know that can do spirit that's exactly that's exactly what we need anyway there you go that's um that's my thought for the day uh, we'll finish off in the premier division tom by talking about shepton mallet taking on last season's runners up saltash united yeah, so that was the uh, yeah another another excellent game. There was plenty of them on the weekend, and a big crowd as well, a couple hundred there at uh, Shepton on the weekend, and they will have enjoyed it. A three-one win 
for the hosts, uh, debutant Leo Eglin, uh, getting them getting the ball rolling pretty early on, uh, scoring in the uh, opening 12 minutes to to make his make an instant impact for Mallet. And uh, yeah, that was uh, doubled after about half an hour or so. That was Josh Jenkins with a free kick to make it 2-0. So uh, well on their way to victory at this point. Uh, they did, uh, the visitors uh, did manage to to pull a goal back. Uh, Tyler Love Holmes is having a pretty decent season in front of goal, considering their uh, lowly position. Uh, but it was it was Mallet who uh, yeah put the game to bed uh, in the closing stages. And that was Will Banks who added their third. So uh, a 3-1 win for Shepton Mallet at home to Saltash. Well, I'm delighted to welcome back to the Toolstation Western League podcast, Aaron Sevier, the manager of Shepton Mallet. Aaron, thank you very much for taking the time uh, to speak to us. Uh, you had an excellent win at the weekend. Were you happy with the performance? It's probably one of our, our worst performances of the season. Um, recent weeks, we've been a lot better, a lot stronger. I think a stronger opposition like Barnstable twice, uh, Helston as well. We were a lot stronger in those performances and came away with nothing. So... To, to, to have a difficult performance against um, against Saltash would come out with a win. I guess you'd, you'd, you'd prefer that, really, wouldn't you? Well, you certainly would, because, uh, I mean, you've had some heavy defeats recently as well. I mean, you mentioned Helston, but, but Brixham was a difficult day at the office. What do you put that down to? <laughs> I'd like to say it was because uh, me, and, me and the assistant wasn't there. We were at a wedding, but it, it shouldn't have changed anything. We, uh, I think we went down after three good performances against Helston and back, back behind the board. I think we kind of underestimated Brixham a little bit from what I've seen on the video camera, but Brixham have, Brixham have done all right. I think they're quite a surprise package for a lot. We, we had a two-all draw against them at home, and I expected us to to kind of take that as a minimum when we went down there too, if not more. But we don't know. Maybe a, a sign of playing playing Helton and Barnes all caught up with us a little bit, and the performance of Brixham certainly wasn't good enough. So we asked for a reaction on on Soltak, and we certainly got it. We haven't spoken since the disappointment of your defeat in the Les Phillips Cup final last season. Uh, on the day, I have to say, you were very bullish about um, what you wanted to achieve with the club. Do, do you still feel that same way today? Yeah, I think my expectations of, of, of the club on the field have changed. I think if you look, we've got, if you look at the 25-man squad that we've got this year, 19 of them are a brand-new signing. So where, where we felt we were going to be going into pre-season to where we are now, uh, 10 games in, 9 games in, it, it, my on-the-field expectations are certainly different. And at the start of the season, we sat down as a group and we said that the top eight would be an exceptional season for us. Um, our average age is about 20 to 21 for the squad. And like I said, 19 new signings. The, the on-the-field expectations are, are slightly tweaked. And I think this is more of a transition year for us. Trying to build a style of play, trying to get some of these young lads that have come from step six and step seven uh, embedded in, in what is really a tough suspect five that we've this year. Um, so yeah, I would say on the field expectations are a little different. The off the field is it's something that actually we're probably interested in this year. Me and Matty are the football coaches for our full-time job, so it goes a little bit deeper than just results for us. It's about making Shepherd Mallet a sustainable club from from men's all the way down to youth. You know, we ran a youth day um, in the FA Vars day where we had 200 odds turn up with 18 youth children turn up and getting coached on the on the pitch by the first team and a lot more youth have turned up they're asking for photographs after games and we're going to uh, youth trainings and trying to try and watch some of the youth the games on the weekend if we can we're trying to make more of a one club community feel and I think me and Matty's job for the next two or three seasons but long as they don't have us is, is to kind of bring together the club from, from youth to men's and make it a bit more of a one club so moving forward these young lads actually want to be 
you know, playing in the men's team in, in years to come. So I would say there's been a bigger focus on off the field this season as much as on it. Now, I know one of the things we discussed um, a couple of times is your disappointment that the merger with the Southwest Peninsula League didn't happen. How are you feeling about the travel so far this season? It's all gone quiet on that front, hasn't it? Um, a little bit for for most teams. I think it's just kind of uh, you just you just get on with it, really. I think with with it being an average age of twenty twenty one, that some of these lads haven't had those those bus journeys before, so it actually wasn't a hard sell for for some of the lads this year. They, they the first one was some blazing away on the first game of the season, so already you're kind of stuck into it. And we've we've done probably about fifty sixty percent of our travelling already, so we've got four or five more to go but yeah to be honest it's, if it's spread out like it has been for us it, it's actually not you know as bad I think last year I was speaking in terms of I think our April we had five out of, out of our six games all away all bus journey so it can it can get a little bit uh, on top of you but if, you, if the league and the fixtures fall your way then yeah, it can be quite a nice little uh, weekend away well, you've got a nice little weekend away coming up this weekend, haven't you? You travel to league leaders Falmouth. I mean, they're in good form. That's not going to be easy for you. It's never easy in Falmouth. Um, everyone knows what uh, the F group, isn't it? Everyone knows what what Falmouth away is like, and the boys are actually really excited for this one. I think one of the lads described it as being, being you know the closest to professional football as you could possibly get at our level. They have such a great attendance down there, and. I think actually, hopefully, it hinders them a little bit. Everybody wants to go down and put a performance in front of that, that the, the away end or whatever you call it, the home end uh, fans that they've got down there. So uh, they've had a great start. They're a great team. They're always a physical team, a strong, uh, tall team, and we're we're probably not. So we're, we're going down with nothing to lose. Though uh, an opportunity to hopefully spring a spring a surprise and enjoy the bus journey back. That's for sure. I mentioned that obviously Falmouth are leading the table. Um, there's a few familiar names at the top of the table, but it's also very congested. How are you reading it at the moment? Do you think that the teams that are up there now are likely to be the ones that stay there, or do you think somebody can come from the pack? It's not always how you start, is it? It's how you finish, and we're a long, long, long way away yet for certainly for us to even be looking at the table. I don't know how our managers perceive it so far after so many games, but you know it starts to spread itself out a little bit now. Some of the top teams will play each other, so. Teams like ourselves who have got a nice, or we've had nicer run of fixtures, maybe would we say not against the current top six in November, December? We, it can all change. I wouldn't personally be looking at it till, till the new year. Um, obviously, with the playoffs, it's a, it's a bit more exciting to keep an eye on those, those top four, you know, five positions. But I'd like to think that the teams that are up there now are going to be the ones that are going to be around there come April. Certainly, for me, the, the strongest. Uh, Probably Helston, and uh, I'm sure Bridgewater will be up there with Dave and that again. So yeah, I can't see it being too much of a change, but I'm sure there's going to be an exciting team that will nail you in for me. I think that's the team that will surprise a lot this year and, and, and be up in the round of playoff area. I think they they are they're one of the most exciting teams we've come up against, and they're, they're doing doing it the right way, which is nice to see. Uh, now October the 10th is World Mental Health Day, and um, I was delighted to visit your your club um, last season. Uh, when we did a bucket collection for Mind in Somerset to help promote um, the importance of positive um, mental health. Given your experiences as a player and, of course, now as a manager, how important do you think understanding mental health is in football today? It's huge, isn't it? I mean, it's, it's, there's a huge stigma around men's mental health. Um, I think every changing room up and down the country at any level, non-league to, to professional game, is going to have 
somebody in there that's going through something and, and I would say that every player has been through something or will go through something during their their lifetime, you know, no matter how big or small it is that to that person or comparatively, you know, somebody's gonna be going through something. And I think it's important that for such a stigma around it with men and, and how brutal those changing rooms can be sometimes, I definitely feel there's a better understanding in today's game than there was maybe when I was coming through the ranks a little bit, you know few years back or you know a decade ago I would say there's a better understanding now and it's so important because as you said that, that stigma around not not talking about things and it's so important that there are days like this and, and, and you guys come down and, and collect the buckets it gets people talking and just opening up a conversation might might open up somebody else's mind to, to understanding what someone else is going through or even speak out about things that they're you know they're, they're going through themselves so Aaron, thank you so much for taking the time to speak to us. I really appreciate it and I look forward to catching up with you later in the season. Now, normally um, at the halfway mark, we have a message from our sponsors, but um, I've decided to go for something slightly different this week. Not because we don't love Toolstation, because, of course, we certainly do. October the 10th is World Mental Health Day. And I know many people involved, not just who listen to the podcast, but who, who, who follow our clubs will, re, uh, will know that we've done a lot at the Tool Station Western League to promote the importance of positive mental health uh, and also the great work um, that our local mind charities do. We've had bucket collections for Bath Mind, uh, Mind in Somerset and Devon Mind, of course. And, you know, the plan is that we will continue to support those wonderful charities for as long as we can. On this week's podcast, I grabbed just for a few minutes the funding manager at Mind in Somerset, a lovely lady called Victoria Paul, who helped me with a bucket collection at, um, at Shepton Mallet last season. And I started by asking Victoria to tell us a little bit about how our local Mind charities um, operate across the west of England. So I'm delighted to be joined by Vicky Poole, um, funding manager at uh, Mind in Somerset. Um, and Vicky, thank you so much for taking the time to speak to us. Obviously, this is a, a, an important day because it, uh, we are celebrating World Mental Health Day. And and as part of that, I thought it'd be great to, to, to get you on to talk a bit about um, uh, about that issue, obviously, because we've worked together. I, I know you came to Shepton Mallet with me to do a bucket collection um, and to raise awareness of the issue. And um, we've got people across the southwest of England from Wiltshire to Cornwall who will be listening to this. So could you just explain your role at mind in Somerset and how that relates to the other local minds that other listeners will, will be familiar with. So every area will have their own local mind. So we're mind in Somerset, so we cover all of Somerset. We deliver services and training and fundraise in that area. But every area will have their own one. So there's mind in Devon, there's Bristol mind, there's Cornwall mind. And although we are all separate organisations, separate charities, we're all affiliated to national mind. So that means we're under one set of branding, we follow one ethos, they check for quality control and things like that. So you can be rest assured that you're supporting your local area and your local services, but with that national backing and part of that unified group effort towards better mental health in your area. So obviously one of the reasons we're working with you is because we want to make sure that the people in our football family are supported with their mental health issues. And predominantly that means men. That's the people who will be listening to this in the main. So what are the issues at the moment um, with men's mental health? I get the feeling that we're talking about it more than we have done, but I guess there's still plenty of work to do. 
Yeah, definitely. I mean, the conversations around mental health have certainly opened up a lot over the last few years. There's awareness there and the stigma is starting to break down. But particularly amongst men, I think there's a high prevalence of poor mental health. Suicide rates are really high. Men struggle and they often do that still in silence and isolation. And there very much is still this stigma of not only not knowing who to reach out to or how to reach out, but the fear of what's going to happen when they do reach out. Are they going to be put on the spot, made to really talk about their feelings? Are they going to have to sit around in a circle and all talk to each other? And that can be really daunting to people. Um, and I think that often people can find help in a way that helps their mental health. And it may or may not be a specific mental health activity. Going to football and talking to your friends about your life and about what's happened in your week and doing those activities that make you feel good are all about supporting your mental health and they are positive for your mental health. It doesn't have to be a formal mental health support group to help your well-being and to help you maintain your positive mental health. One of the things that I've found quite interesting since I've started um, championing this for the for the league is how the language uh, of uh, that we talk about mental health has evolved. So now I'm as comfortable talking about mental health as I am physical health. I'm familiar now with terms like um, mental well-being. So the last thing we want to do is stigmatise the issue of, of, of mental health. So how do you see the language that we use to discuss some of the challenges that some of the listeners might be facing? Yeah, I think one of the big things that people often maybe don't appreciate when they're coming into it is everyone has mental health. It's not just what you have when you're in poor mental health or struggling. Everybody has mental health, just like everyone has physical health. And you can either be in good or bad mental health. And it's something that's never a fixed state. Everyone moves through periods of feeling good to feeling not so good. And that's completely normal. And it really is a wide spectrum. People's well-being feeds into their mental health. Doing things that are good for your well-being, both mental and physical, feeds into your mental health. So I think it's one of those things that people need to appreciate that they all have it. It's not, a, oh, they've got mental health or he's got a mental health problem. It's we all have mental health. It's just at a different stage at that time. So I guess if there are people listening to this um, who are struggling with issues in their life and perhaps feel that their mental health um, is, they are in poor mental health, um, what would your advice to them be? I would definitely say reach out. Reaching out and talking about it is the first step. And often it is the biggest step and it is what people need. That can either be by ringing something like our Mindline service, 24-7, completely free, completely confidential as well. You don't even have to give your name if you don't want to. Reaching out to your friends, asking, oh, can we go to watch the football tonight and have a chat? I've had a bad week. That is an important first step for a lot of people. And that can do you just as much as good as seeking formal support. Making sure you have that support network is really important. There's also lots of specialised men's groups coming around, whether that's something like men's sheds, where you do woodwork and um, building materials and things like that and also have a chat and develop that social network at the same time. That is helping someone's mental health. And there's also things like Andy's Man Club, where these are men's groups that are for men, run by men, and are just that supportive, informal, positive environment for people that need a bit of help at that point or someone to talk to. Vicky, thank you so much for taking the time to speak to us. And um, thank you so much for all the wonderful work that you and mine do. Thank you. Thank you very much for having us. And if anyone would like to reach out or ask questions, always give us a call or write to us. And we're always very happy to help. And my thanks to Vicky for her time. Now we'll turn our attention to the first division. And um, it was quite an eye opening um, scoreline 
uh, at Cadbury Heath. I think um, our Bishop Sutton uh, listeners may want to um, to turn away now, um, but I think it, 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 we can safely say that um, um, I think Halloween came a little bit came a little <laughs> bit early um, for Bishop Sutton at this game, Tom. Yeah, tough one. This uh, obviously they have have had their troubles uh, over recent weeks, but uh, yeah, it definitely uh, uh, peaked on the weekend. Well, I hope for their sake they've not they don't let in more than this in a, in a match. But uh, yeah, Cadbury Heath did reach double figures on Saturday afternoon at Springfield, uh, a ten 0 win uh, for the home side. Uh, we usually probably would maybe gloss over the result, and there was plenty of high scoring and one sided games in the in the prem that we. We didn't touch on, but yeah, this was the uh, the highest score of the weekend, unsurprisingly, and a 10-0 trouncing, unfortunately. Uh, Josh Haynes bagging a hat-trick inside the space of uh, sort of 30 minutes or so, so he made a, an incredible start to the game. I think it was 5-0 uh, uh, just before half-time, and the fifth goal uh, was scored by Matt Huxley, and that set him uh, up for a big second half, and uh, yeah, he managed to, to complete uh, some some pretty historic numbers, uh, scoring twice in the, the final nine, uh, 13 minutes. Uh, and that hat-trick uh, took him to 500 Western League goals, which is uh, pretty mind-boggling for myself. I, um, yeah, I mean, that is a number of, se- well, incredible amount of seasons, incredible amount of goals, and 500 is just a, a, a humongous number, isn't it? And uh, it was also his, uh, that, that, Final goal that he scored was his 300th for the Heath as well. So, I mean, to to bring up two mind-boggling, as I say, milestones with with the same goal to to cap a 10 nil victory. Uh, yeah, that was uh, that was some afternoon for 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 the Heath, wasn't it? Certainly was, and we we you know we got to put Matt Huxley up there in the great mm. pantheon of Western League goal scorers that yep. um, goes all the way back to um, Billy the Farmer Boy Haynes, whose goal scoring exploits. At both Portsmouth and Weymouth in the uh, in the Western League um, are, are legendary, um, but no, Mac Huxley's right up there with perhaps more modern day heroes um, like Gary Higdon, um, um, formerly of, of Melksham, of course. But no, that is a, a truly remarkable achievement and one that well, you know, that deserves um, to be celebrated on uh, on the podcast. So well done, Matt. Um, now then, we'll move on to Gillingham Town, where the visitors were last season's First Division champions. I've been wondering whether Brislington are taking a little bit of time to get going. Well, they certainly got going on Saturday, Tom. <laughs> yeah, they absolutely did. Yeah, another another good win for them. And uh, yeah, five different goal scorers as well. So they'll be, they'll be happy about that. But yeah, in the slightly earlier kickoff, I think it was a 2pm start at, uh, at Gillingham. And uh, yeah, they did run out uh, 5-1 winners the away side. And that was... I'd say five different goal scorers. I will give them all a shout. So it's Josh Egan, Harry Tobin, uh, Jack Fillingham, and then a couple of uh, couple of Jordans, Jordan Williams and Jordan Scadding. And uh, yeah, five one win for for Brisington. And uh, yeah, back in the uh, uh, back amongst the goals, which is good to see for them. Uh, now moving on to Middlesbrough Rovers. They've um, had a solid start in the first division. They came up against um, Hallen, and um, I think Hallen are showing signs uh, that they mean business this season, Tom. I think so. Yeah, they they they're going good guns, aren't they? And uh, a three-one win for them uh, on Saturday afternoon. Uh, another another away win, and there was quite a few of those in the first division, which is uh, yeah, it's good to see because I think it shows good good competitive uh, action in in the league. And yeah, as I say, a three-one win for Hallen uh, at Middlesbrough. Uh, Josh McHale uh, setting them on their way, um, and it was uh, actually a little bit of a, a revenge, having been beaten by the same opponents on the opening day. Uh, but uh, yeah, they did did run out winners. Luke Bamfield making it 2-0. Uh, 
Uh, and then after Middlesbrough, they had pulled a goal back. It was Peter Majek Odioye, I hope I pronounced that one right. Uh, he wrapped things up in, in stoppage time. So a 3 1 victory for Hallen away at Middlesbrough. Well, I'm delighted to welcome back to the Toolstation Western League podcast, Carl Bagley, the manager of Hallen. Um, Carl, thank you very much for taking the time uh, to speak to us. And a good 3-1 win away at Middlesbrough on Saturday. Obviously, they're new to the uh, Western League and, and you've obviously been playing your trade in the Premier Division. So was that the first time you'd come up against Middlesbrough? First time I've ever been to Middlesbrough, to be honest with you, in all the years of even being involved at Bridgewater. I've never been to Middlesbrough or seen what they've done down there, to be fair, which is a credit to them. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it is mere, it's a mere stone's throw as well, isn't it? I mean, it's just a few miles from Bridgewater. I was surprised. I think it's more than a few miles. It seemed to take a, quite a while when we turned left at the first roundabout. But no, <laughs> like I said, I spoke to Craig in great detail when we got there. And yeah, I was kind of thoroughly impressed. The pitch was decent. Clubhouse and changing rooms are probably up there with the best in the league and up there with maybe some of the better ones in the Prem as well. So, to be fair, they work really hard down there. And obviously you work pretty hard on Saturday because um, 3-1, I mean, do you think that did you justice? Uh, yes. Could have been a few more, if I'm honest. I think we were, I, like I said to Craig after the game, I think we were very lucky that I noticed after about 40 minutes they looked very leggy from their exploits on Tuesday night against Bridgewater. So I knew that they would be kind of there for the taking, if I'm honest. And that's what we said to the lads, go out, perform to the best of your ability. And like you say, you'll get the three points. And that's what we did on Saturday. And it was a good reaction to obviously that defeat um, to Wing Canton in the previous game. Um, I mean, they have been in good form since the start of this season. What did you make of them? Oh, Wing Canton are just very, what I would call, experienced Obviously, when you've got a big target man like Mr Garner up front, you've always got that focal point. And they're just like I said, I think they've got a, a way of playing. Everyone kind of batters them for going long, etc. But to me, I think they've got a very good variation of whether they do go long and short. And I say when they do get the ball down and play, that they are thoroughly effective. To be fair for me, yes, OK, we lost 2-0. First goal, it's one of those, if you know what I mean, could the referee have blown for a free kick? I don't know. But we would have still been there now and not really scored, if I'm honest. Because you, you've had a couple of good results before that game, haven't you? You beat Welton Rovers in the League Cup and you had a good win away at Cribs and, and uh, Cribs Reserves. And, and, you know, they've started uh, this season pretty well. Yeah, it's just, it's just for us at the moment, just getting consistency. When I first took over the job, I think I inherited, I think it was 12 on the injured list so it was a case of patching up the squad to get going and to be fair I've been there now for I, I think it's probably eight games now I think it is and, and I don't think there's any game where we've been completely outplayed or dominated We're, we've been in every game and we've had Radstock away we lost 1-0 we missed a penalty unfortunately had a player sent off we lost 3-2 away at Wincanton again <laughs> Did we create enough chances to win the game? Probably not, but we are competing in these games. And at the moment, we haven't had our strongest squad out just yet, which is pleasing. When you say you inherited, obviously, a, a pretty sizeable injury list, what was it about the Hallen job that um, that appealed to you? I think it's just their history, if you know what I mean. Like, it's a great setup. The pitch is 
probably up there within the two leagues of being the best. And fortunately, I work in Avonmouth as well. So for me, Tuesday night training is literally two miles down the road rather than driving back to Bridgewater, if you know what I mean. But no, it was it was good. I see the the the, the, the promise of the club, if you know what I mean. Like the it's a big club within the Western League. I know they've had their season away or whatever it was in the Hellenic. But it is a big, attractive club, and that's why I thought, why not? I mean, I, I had nothing to lose. They're very positive behind the scenes. They've got a hard-working committee. And you can't really ask as a manager, you can't really ask for any more than that, really. What were, your, what were the club's expectations for you coming into this season? What did they want, to, what did they want you to achieve? To be fair, when I sat with Lee, we didn't really talk about expectations. As such, they just wanted like a positive season. It was more of a kind of rebuild for them. They've obviously had a few managers over the past, I don't know how many years, if you know what I mean. And it was just one of those things that they just want a bit of stability. Someone to come in, like I say, unfortunately, Stu had to leave due to work commitments. And it was just bringing in some stability so the players were, the cup players more so than not knew what, what was going on. Obviously, me, myself, Doff, Jay, like the coaching staff, if we've set targets, the players know what the targets are. And like I said, hopefully come the end of the season, we shouldn't be too far away from them. And what's the longer term project? Because, I mean, you're an ambitious manager. You've, man you know, you've been involved in the Bridgewater setup for, for as long as I've known you. Um, is, is the objective to get Hallen back to that level? Yeah, of course it is. I think every manager wants to be progressive in the way that they play as well as ambitions if you know what I mean so for me Alan should be in the Prem in my opinion through past history but it's just as we all know getting out of Division 1 is not the easiest league in the uh, in the world to try and get out of it isn't but it's not just the step up in quality I guess is it Carl I mean having you know spent a lot of time in the Prem you understand the challenges with the travel commitments and how that impacts upon player availability looking forward is that something that worries you about football at our level? Uh, I wouldn't say it worries me. It's something that's it's going to be there. It's either a player wants to do it or he doesn't. That's the way I see it. So it would be a case for me is if we were fortunate enough to get promoted, let's say next season, and the Cornwall leagues or the travel was still in there, that would always be a kind of a conversation between players and stuff. Because at the end of the day, I'm 100 percent committed. So. I expect everyone else to be, and if they wouldn't, then maybe our paths aren't along the right, uh, going along the right journey, and maybe it's time to uh, move move away from each other. If you see where I'm coming from, it's it's a it's a tough one. It is tough now with the amount of travel that is in that league, but for me, once you sign up, that's what you buy into. So you've got the small matter of Porter's head tonight, and um, they're coming to your place, but that's still going to be one hell of a hell of a clash. Yeah, and it's one the boys are looking forward to. We, had, we briefly spoke about it on Saturday, if you know what I mean, to get a positive result on Saturday, ready for Tuesday. And I'm pretty sure that the boys will give me everything out there today. We've pretty much got a injury-free, I say that loosely, if you know what I mean, but an injury-free squad for tonight, apart from the ones that are long-term injured. We've got a couple of players coming back, doing the warm-up tonight. So, no, it's, it's, it's starting to look a bit promising. And it's always, it's always nice, like, I would say you, you don't win a league in October. They've had a tremendous start, and for us, we're, we're just another, just another game for us. Like I say, why not go out there and 
put a performance on and hopefully get the three points or at least a positive result. And you've got another home game coming up uh, on Saturday, uh, at home to Cribs. Obviously, it wasn't that long ago since you played them um, before. So, I mean, do you think that there was going to be anything out of that game where they're going to be better prepared to take you on on Saturday? Probably, because obviously Cribs haven't been in the league before, so they know a little bit more about us now, if you see what I'm But I think from what we saw from Cribs and speaking to the management and stuff, I think they're pretty regimented and they do get the ball down and play. Obviously, the joys of playing on a nice pitch. And like I say, I'm sure they'll come to us looking for the uh, revenge three points. But like I say, at the moment, the way the boys are training and everything, I'm pretty sure, confident that we'll get another positive result. Uh, now, it's World Mental Health Day um, on the day that we're recording this. Obviously, people listen to the podcast across the week and the weekend, but today is October the 10th. And and as you know, Carl, because um, we, we saw you up at Bridgewater when we started doing the collections for Somerset Mind, um, that we've been doing a lot to promote the importance of um, mental health and mental health support um, across all of our clubs uh, in, in the league. When you look back at your time in the game, how have attitudes towards good mental health changed? I think it's down to the individual and the support that the individuals can get. I think there's a lot a lot more support now. I think probably when I was younger, in my years of playing, was mental health really a thing? I again I don't wanna I don't wanna sound any say anything wrong. But it, I probably didn't know enough about it back then to realise if anyone was struggling. But now obviously, to be fair to everyone, they, they do breach this subject really well. And it's a lot easier to spot. It's a lot easier to potentially go out and talk to someone now. I think there's a lot of avenues down there that people can explore rather than keeping it to themselves. And that's the main thing, isn't it? They always say talk's the the best way to cure something. Carl, thanks ever so much for taking the time to speak to us. And I look forward to catching up with you later in the season to see how you're getting on. Fantastic stuff. And we'll conclude with hmm. um, a trip up the down. Up the down. And the and, and, and the down have been on the up. <laughs> but they weren't on the up against Shirehampton. I think perhaps a, a return to uh, a return to form uh, for last season's playoff finalists. Yeah, absolutely. It was definitely, I think, one of the most uh, entertaining games of the afternoon. There was, yeah, all sorts going on. There was a couple of couple of injuries, plenty of stoppage time, and it was it was Shyampton who eventually ran out four free winners. Um, yeah, it was um, definitely uh, looking like they were going to um, have a pretty easy afternoon. Uh, they were two up, two goals up inside ten minutes. Uh, Steve Fitzpatrick and then Will Gallagher uh, making it two 0 to the visitors. Uh, but uh, yeah, we're pegged back a little bit. Alfie Andrews scoring for the home side uh, before Louis Snell. And he's uh, pretty decent form at the moment for Shirehampton. He he scored pretty soon after to restore their two goal advantage. And uh, at that point, it looked as though, again, uh, they'd have a pretty easy afternoon of it, especially when Odd Down were actually reduced to 10. Uh, a couple of, as I say, injuries uh, uh, forcing their hand on that front. Uh, but yeah, the 10 men managed to, to pull off a a dramatic comeback. Uh, skipper Milo Murgatroyd and then sub Abdul Mumbai uh, scoring late on to make it free all. And uh, it looked as though uh, they managed to, to grab a, a share of the points. And uh, that was uh, just the start of the drama, in fact. Uh, 
uh, they managed to, to push forward once more and uh, were awarded a penalty in, in the 90th minute. So that this really would have uh, been the, the mother of all turnarounds. But uh, a penalty saved by Will Baldwin, uh, kept it at 3-3, and it was Shyhampton who went back down the other end managed to grab the seventh goal, the, the winning goal. And it was uh, Scott Bamford uh, striking in the third minute of stoppage time uh, to hand Shyhampton victory and, uh, yeah, bring the curtain down on a... Uh, a pretty astonishing afternoon of football uh, up up in uh, up in Bath. Yeah, <clears throat> the ups and downs are odd down. I mean, you mm-hmm. really would have got your money's worth, wouldn't you, if you'd have gone to that absolutely. game? Absolutely, absolutely incredible. All sorts going on. Now we're going to be taking a look ahead to the fixtures coming up uh, this week. Uh, but Tom, you want to kick things off um, with a bit of Friday night football? Oh yeah, absolutely. I think this is. Uh, Potentially the pick of the pick of the games in the Premier Division this weekend. Uh, Friday night, we know there'll be a big crowd because there always is at Bridgewater when they when they take these games uh, onto 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 Friday nights. And uh, yeah, they get to host Nailsy and Tickenham on on the weekend, so that should be that should be pretty mega. Uh, seven league wins on the bounce for Bridgewater and uh, Nailsy seem to be uh, involved in plenty of high scoring thrillers, especially over the last couple of weeks. So uh, yeah, I'm expecting uh, plenty of action, plenty of goals, I think, on on, on Friday night. Yes, that's Friday the 13th of October. It'll be mm. unlucky for some. Will be. Um, in the first division that night, we've also got a game, Canesham Town take on high-flying um, Radstock Town. So uh, it'll be interesting to see whether Ray Johnson can keep their good form going or whether Canesham can continue their ascent up the first division table. Um, I'm just going to... Uh, I'll pick out a game for Saturday the 14th of October in the Premier Division. Uh, Tor Point Athletic against Barnstable Town. Um, Tor Point started the season really well. No, they had that disappointing win at the weekend, so I will expect a reaction, particularly at their place. But the opponents, Barnstable Town, you know, real pedigree. I think Barnstable are going under the radar. I think they're going to be involved in the title shake-up. So um, um, I reckon that will be a cracking game. Uh, on Saturday, the 14th of October. And if we look into the first division, Tom, any games there that tickle your fancy? I'm going to go for a couple of towns playing each other. We've got Bradford uh, hosting Wincanton. I would, uh, yeah, I'd say um, both have been a little bit disappointed with their recent form, uh, dropping points in, in over the last couple of weeks. So I think this is a pretty big game. I don't think you'd want to be on the losing side of this one because that's uh, it's probably going to see you drop down the division a little bit. So, uh, yeah, these two sides probably want to be... Um, Want to be want to be racking up the points at this this point of the season and uh, haven't been doing so over over recent times. So I think it's a, a big game for for those two on the weekend. And um, podcast guests this week, Hallen, they take on Cribs Reserves. Cribs Reserves, of course, have started this season um, very strongly. Um, uh, Hallen showing signs of going in the right direction. So I think this will be a, a keenly contested game between two sides that, of course, aren't a million miles away from each mm. other um so uh, that derby that derby feel now last week tom we went through the league tables so we won't be doing that again this week um we will however be reflecting on your excellent bulletin as we always are and um for those people who haven't come across it yet where can they find your work so that is on the uh, the toolstationleague.com uh, website uh, the official league's website and uh, it's on the it's on the home page it'll be uh, easily accessible. I think if you scroll down a little bit, there's a there's a tab uh, that takes you to the bulletin, and uh, yeah, you can download that uh, every every weekend after the after the games on the Saturday afternoon. So yeah, that comes out and has all your uh, league tables as and as you say, and uh, yeah, fixtures, results, and and whatnot. So yeah, that comes out every week. 
that's excellent stuff and of course promoted through our social media channels Absolutely. and i'd like it listeners if you could keep posted to our social media channels this week because we will be promoting um some of the great work we've been doing with our local mind charities and also some of the information some of the helplines um that um, um people can use if they are um struggling with um uh, with any issues um because it's important that we remember um, that October the 10th is World Mental Health Day. Uh, so from Tom and myself, we look forward to catching up with you on next week's Tool Station Western League podcast. <laughs>